The book of Job is, a, is really, I think, a fantastic text for us to, um, perpetually, it's, it's fantastic for us to uh, meditate upon, ruminate upon, and I think particularly relevant today. Now, first reading comes from the book of Job, if you weren't listening, and it ends with that very uplifting line, I shall not see happiness again. <laughs> what a way to start out Mass. All right, so let's go back. So, so the book of Job, it, you know, it's, it's largely probably considered a parable. Uh, in other words, clearly, I mean, it's divinely inspired, but clearly the literal details are not, uh, are not what's important. In other words, did it really happen literally that way? Um, as Catholics, we don't interpret Scripture in that fashion. It's pretty clear that it would be impossible. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Just trust me. You can go back and look at it. We'll, we'll talk about it some other time, but I don't want to get off on that track. But the point is that it's a parable. It's conveying to us divine truth about the human person as well as, and probably most importantly, the relationship between the person and God. So here's Job. He's rich, successful, married, lots of kids, lots of animals, lots of crops, and he loses it all, all of it. Family is killed, crops are, are lost, animals are killed, taken away. And we find Job, who, as we're told, was a righteous man. He did not sin against God. And we find him sitting in dust and ashes, lamenting his situation. And a lot of the book of Job is him lamenting his situation, calling out to God, what did I do to you? What did I do to deserve this? And other people would pass by, and they'd say, what'd you do? <laughs> what'd you do? I mean, God wouldn't have done this if you didn't do something, so what'd you do? Because everybody thought if you suffered misfortune, then you deserved it. And if you were successful, you deserved it because you were good, and misfortune because you were bad. And so Job turns this whole understanding of divine providence around as we move into the Christian era of scripture. So everybody just figured, including Job, he did something wrong, but Job knew he didn't do anything wrong. So he's sitting there lamenting and lamenting and lamenting, I shall not see happiness again. I'm just a hireling. You know, I just go out and, and work for God and, and I'm just working for pay. I'm not working because I love it. Life is a drudgery and it's just going to continue in that fashion. He's pretty depressed and rightfully so given the situation. But here's the first reason why I think the book of Job is so important. We live in a culture of victims. The more levels of victimization a person can rack up, it's like getting a high score on a video game. Well, I've got this victimization and this one and this one and this one and this one. So, you know, my voice ought to be heard more loudly. Victimization, victim. Job is the guy who people point to and say, you think you have it bad? Look at Job. That's part of the wisdom being conveyed. The truth is that every single one of us have been victims, just as Job was a victim, and at different levels and for different reasons. I haven't met anyone who has not been a victim of some kind. And I don't mean light things. 
I mean serious things. And the longer you live, the more these things happen. So let's just kind of look at what happened with Job. So he complains and he complains. I mean, it's chapter after chapter. He's a, he's a good complainer. This guy perfected complaining. What did I do, God? What did I do? I was righteous. I was good. Yet this happened. You did this to me. Why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? Why? On and on and on. After a while, you're like, you know, we get the point. Could have cut the book in half. It's a good book to get the Cliff's Notes on. So, so he's complaining and complaining. Then God shows up. Finally, God shows up. And one of the things that's fascinating is he never answers Job. Not really, not directly. Never answers Job's questions. God never justifies himself. God never gives an excuse. Not in the way we might think. Instead, we're told God questions Job. And at length, since Job had at length questioned God, at length, God questions Job. Did you create the heavens and the earth? Did you create the sea creatures in the deep? Did you create the sun and the moon and the stars? Did you create yourself or the children and wife who died whom you loved? Did you create the things by which you were able to accumulate wealth? Did you do any of this? And then God shows himself to Job. He shows himself to Job. Job is given this vision of God, a direct vision of God. And how does Job respond? Now that he has been faced with questioning from God and he sees God face to face, Job says, I'm sorry I asked. (laughs) Never mind. It's basically what he says. He says, you know what? Forget about it. I have no more questions. How can I answer, basically Job is saying, how can I answer God? How can I know the wisdom of God, the mind of God, the boundlessness of his providence, of his mercy, of his goodness? And now that I've beheld him face to face, it's clear that all of these other things I cared about don't matter. And so Job is ultimately then restored. His happiness is restored. And what we learn is his happiness is restored because, really, he was able to put what was most important first. He was, he was brought into an even more proper relationship with God, understanding his relationship to the Lord, understanding who God is and that he is not. God. So Job is this sort of victim figure who thought he was happy, lost his happiness, and actually is given true happiness by the Lord. So here's a zinger for you. If you are not happy 
It's your fault. It's your fault. It's not God's fault. It's not your mother's fault. I, I, I tried to live in that space for about 40 years. It's not your mother's fault. Hopefully she's not watching. It's not your father's fault. It's not your children's fault. It's not your, your parents' fault, boyfriend, husband, priest, whoever you want to blame. It's your fault. When I came to that truth in my own life, it set me free. Completely set me free. Because I recognized that I was giving power over to people or others who, number one, should never have that power, that it was improper to, to give it to them, or even would misuse that. If you're in a toxic relationship, get out. If you're dating somebody who doesn't treat you well, dump him immediately. If you're in a relationship where there is abuse, leave and find your happiness because it's up to you. Girls, if you go out with a guy who doesn't treat you well, that's the last date and vice versa. Vice versa. We have no time in our lives for people who are toxic. Get rid of them and pursue happiness and realize that it's, it's up to you. It's, it's up to me. It's so funny. I was, I was, well, maybe it's not funny. It's kind of funny now. It wasn't funny at the time. But as I'm driving in, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to talk about how happiness is a choice. And then, and then I had this toxic thought that came into my head, and I was put into a grumpy mood immediately as I walked in. I'm like, oh, this is great. So now I'm in a grumpy mood, and I've got to preach to people about happiness because, you know, that's kind of what I've set up for myself. So, so I had to go in the back, and I had to unwind it and figure out, okay, what was the thought? Because there's always something. This is another truth I've learned is that our thoughts lead to our emotions. We give all this power to our thoughts, which then influence how we feel. And so I had to unwind it. I unwound it. I figured out what it was, and then I'm like, okay, fine. Throw it on the trash heap. Done. Move on. Now you can be all happy again. It's a choice. It is. A, it, it, and so even, even these things, you might say, well, gosh, Father's just, no, I mean, I'm living it myself. Living it myself every single day, it's a choice. It's not just something that happens and then you're good to go. It's something that happens every single day. You might say, well, Father, I'm married to somebody who's toxic. All right, well, that changes things a bit because you're committed. Toxic being different from abusive in this context you still need to pursue health in yourself. You can't fix him or her, but you can fix yourself. The healthier we are with ourselves, with others, and with God, the more that it raises the overall health of everyone around us. Happiness is not something, ultimately, that we can place in the hands of another person, another human being. And it's not something that we can place in things. I mean, how many times have you longed for something, you know, something to purchase? Oh, I just, I know if I have that, I'm going to be happy. 
I'm going to be really, really happy. So you save up and you save up and then you buy it. And you're not quite as happy as you thought you'd be. I mean, you're glad you got it, but you're not quite as happy because then there's that other thing you need now. <laughs> right? There's the other one. I mean, the iPhone 6 is not nearly good enough. You needed the 7 and then the 8 and then the 9 and then the 10 and then the... Are we on 12? I have the 12. <laughs> Father, are you saying that you're telling us to do something that you fail at? Yes, I am. <laughs> I am. I absolutely am. I'm right in there with you. I'm right in there with you. There can still be detachment, but it's tricky, and there's tension, and that's okay. Now, last point. We learn from Job that happiness cannot come really in other people or things, that happiness ultimately resides in our own choices and decisions that we make. We are the ones who have control over our happiness. But with that, as always, there is God. There is grace. There is his activity in our life. And so we always have to remember how he fits in. Does God want us to be happy now? Yes. Is God going to force us to be happy now? No. And not for eternity either. He won't force it. Some of the most miserable people I know are Christians, are Catholics. And sometimes you think, why, aren't, why in the world are they going to church? They're miserable. And then I think, well, how would they be if they didn't go to church? <laughs> Maybe it's the only thing keeping them going. But God does not want us to be miserable. Are we going to have sadness? Yes. Are there going to be times of struggle? Of course. But some of the people who struggle the most in life are the happiest. Because they've come to realize what truly is most important. And what's truly most important is their relationship to God and their moving toward eternity. And while we're here, we grow in as much virtue and lovingness and faith as we can as we prepare to spend eternity with him. Please stand.